so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website, ClarkDeals.com. So we have bargains for you each and every day. I wanted to tell you about a sweepstakes scam that has roared back and how to look for the telltale signs that you're about to get taken in a sweepstakes scam. That's coming up in today's Clark Rageous Moment. And have you heard how much allowance the average parent is giving a minor child? Well, I'm going to fill you in on the number and give you my opinion on it later yet. So we are in a really unusual situation right now, and that is that we have the lowest unemployment rates we've had in a long, 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 long time. But in the midst of that, most people aren't seeing any meaningful pay raises. And there's also at the same time that's going on that we have such low unemployment but really measly raises, there are certain sectors of the economy that are seeing significant layoffs and job losses, and closures of businesses. So it is such a mishmash of confusion right now where when corporate financial people are surveyed, they say either they're already in a recession in their industry or they believe there's one coming for the country. And then you talk to people in businesses where things are going great, they're like, Recession? What are you talking about? I've never been busier or more successful in my life. So it depends on what you're up to. So manufacturing, there's significant job losses and layoffs taking place because of the various trade wars. It's pummeling manufacturing in the United States and in other countries. Uh, I have a very, very intensely strong opinion that Everyone loses in trade wars, except arms manufacturers, because historically, all-out trade wars ultimately lead to the real kind of war fighting between countries. So I am very, very anti-trade wars. But so far, the economics seem to be showing that at least my initial fears are bearing out, and I hope that I am so wrong about it leading to uh, violence between countries. But there are other sectors of the economy doing very well. By far the greatest job growth going on these days is in education and in anything to do with health care and government hiring at state and local levels, uh, the uh, hotel industry generally doing well, and... Also, pretty much anybody with a college degree, their services are very much in demand right now. So when you look at the big picture, that's kind of it. But what about this thing with having such low unemployment, but people having a hard time getting pay raises? Well, the core and key for people particularly in the lower third of income earners in the country, 
is that you get a raise by changing jobs or by finding another opportunity that you can take and going to your existing employer and say, I love working for you, but I've got this other offer that pays me so many more dollars an hour. And I I love being here, but I got to go take that unless you can help me out on the paycheck. I mean, until you go out and have the confidence to shop what you're worth in the marketplace, employers are not going to pay you more. They're just not. And so you've got to be your own advocate. You're the one who has to go see what you're worth out there. You don't just complain to your employer, hey, I want more money. No, you got to go see, are you really able to find opportunities where you are worth more, that somebody will pay you more? And then, if you don't like where you work, fine, just give them notice and go somewhere else. But if you have that uh, feeling like, I have this loyalty to this employer, they've been good to me, I like working here, I like the atmosphere, I just need a little bit fatter paycheck. Then once you've found what else is out there, go tell them that you'd love to stay. But you got to have more money. And then it's up to them to tell you to get lost or how about if I give you an extra whatever. But if you don't ask, you don't get. Bruce is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bruce. Yeah, hey, Clark. Hi, it's so nice to talk to you. Well, great to have you here. And there's something making you feel like somebody is out there wanting to be the second Bruce and not in a good way. What's the story? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure that it's that nefarious. I think it might just be maybe somebody put my number down by accident or keyed in something wrong. It's on my credit report, apparently. So um, I went to the My Social Security website to try to create an account so you can monitor all of your Social Security activity coming up in the future. And in in order to verify your identity, you know, they have you answer these questions off your credit report. And and none of it made sense. You know, it's like your your name and streets you live on. And it says here, you know, maybe I have a car on the driveway that I don't know about. Uh-oh. So, um, Uh-oh. anyway, yeah, yeah, it was kind of a little bit scary. So, so I went to um, one of the, um, I went to the credit report agency that you recommend. It's not the one I told your producer. It's the one you recommend. Cre- uh, annualcreditreport.com? Yes, that's right. That's the one I went to. All right, so annualcreditreport.com, you are allowed once each year to get a free copy of each of your credit reports. And yeah, yeah, if you if you right. also register at Credit Karma, um, you can get you can see two of your three credit reports basically whenever you want all year long for free. So it's a much more generous thing than what you get at annualcreditreport.com. Yeah, that was going to be uh, like a, a question for you. Is should I do that or not? So I yeah, I strongly recommend, particularly in a case where it looks like somebody may be out there, uh, maybe masquerading as you. You need to know what's going on with your credit and be able to monitor it frequently, 
And the beauty of Credit Karma is that it's free to do that. Um, at annualcreditreport.com, did you have any trouble getting one, two, or three of your reports? Yes. Yeah, that was a problem. That's why I'm calling you, because um, they gave me the same kind of questions, things about um, car, retail cards and bank accounts that I've opened up. And now, was this for one bureau? Above, or all, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Was this for one bureau that you failed the challenge questions or all three? Because each would have their own challenge mm -hmm. questions. Oh, yeah. It let me pick one, so I just picked one at random. Okay, so at annualcreditreport.com, you can, you can pick all three, and I want you to in this case, huh. and they're all oh, free. Okay. And I want you to go okay. see if the problem with your credit file is with all three bureaus or only with a particular one. If you've got a problem uh, with them verifying identity with all three bureaus, then I'm afraid to tell you the odds are stronger that you have been a victim of identity theft. And huh. if you can't access any, you're going to have to go through, you're going to have a new part-time job that I hope you don't have to have. And uh, I wish I had done what you've always recommended, which is lock down my credit. Do the credit freeze? Well, I mean, credit freeze. Yeah, you know, something happens and, and then, you know, we know moving forward to do something like that. So yeah, okay. if you can't get any of your three files, you're going to have to go through an identity verification process through the mail, believe it or not, where you're going to have to send like a copy of a driver's license and you have to send um, copies maybe of bills you have or whatever so they can verify you are the real Bruce and not whoever is out mm -hmm. there masquerading as you. Then they send mm -hmm. you a physical copy through the mail of your report, and then you start mm -hmm. the protocol of trying to clean up whatever havoc a crook may well have caused. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's okay. go with something more innocent. And let's say you go through the process at annualcreditreport.com, and you're able to get two of your reports but not the third. Then there's mm -hmm. a greater possibility... Not a certainty, but a greater possibility there's a clerical error involved. And then yeah, with that one bureau, you do the mail-in of stuff, get the report, and then you start trying to clean it up. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> okay. So if, let's say it's right. not innocent. If it's not innocent, you document everybody you ever talked to, uh, you dispute things, you'll have to do affidavits, uh, you'll likely want to get an identity theft police report, and I have a, kind of like a short version of step-by-step -step on Clark.com, but there's a great organization based in Southern California called the Identity Theft Resource Center that offers a great step-by-step -step guide if you do turn out to be an identity theft victim, how to advocate for yourself and how to clean up the havoc that a crook has caused. Okay, and uh, I'll do all that. And um, do you think that it's safe to mail those identifying documents? You have to. to. I mean, the only way you report? get things moving forward is okay. you send in the stuff. And it's, it's weird. We don't trust sending anything through the mail anymore. But that is the right way for you to proceed from here. And I hope, Bruce, there's a false alarm 
and not a big hassle you're going to deal with. Adonis is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Adonis. Hey, Clark. Adonis, you have a question for me that concerns people about identity theft. What's the story? Yes, my daughter in college, she's seeking a volunteer opportunity, and this organization requires a background check. She was directed to the website of an investigative contractor, I would suppose, and she called me because she calls every week or so with questions. And wait, wait, wait. She did not just call to tell you she loves you and misses you. She only calls with questions? <laughs> well, that, you know, the rest of that is implied. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she calls and she's getting, it's to the point in life now, she's in either scenarios I've never, I've never even been in, so I don't, I don't so I've 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 had my background investigated before. I've done the SF eighty six, but this was through a website to a through a contractor, and she was concerned about identity theft. And I was wondering, is that you know, is that just how it's done now? How old is your daughter that she's that savvy? She's twenty. I am very impressed. So what's happened is because of scandals that have happened in the past, particularly in youth work. There's now um, a standard protocol for organizations to run a background check. And the background checks are generally not deep dive background checks, but they almost all start with things like you coughing up personal information, including almost always your social security number. So there is a danger that that information would end up in the wrong hands. That's always the concern, but it's not a certainty. So right. the way I would tell your daughter to make the decision is if she really believes in the cause and the service they provide, know that there is that risk of identity theft, but that the certainty is that she'll be able to help others and go ahead and do the form to have the background check done. So I don't like the danger it creates for her, but I think it's important that background checks be run, especially when people are going to be volunteering with young people. The NFL season is underway, and that means certain scams follow right on the heels of the beginning of the season. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. Actually, I misspoke. The season's basically a third over now. And we're getting, as we move closer and closer through the season towards the playoffs, there are a variety of scams that pop up, it seems, every season. Most around Publishers Clearinghouse. Publishers Clearinghouse is a legitimate organization that has the big prize giveaways that they do at the end of every football season. There's high interest in it. They show the big checks on TV and all that. And so, so many people are interested in having a chance at winning in Publishers Clearinghouse that it's become an extremely popular target for scamsters. And the Fraud Watch Bulletin that I just received says that the Publishers Clearinghouse scams are roaring back. And there's two versions big right now. 
One is that you get a random phone call from people pretending to be from Publishers Clearinghouse saying that you've won a big Publishers Clearinghouse prize and you just need to wire money for some fees and then they bring you the big money. The other is when they send you a fake check that has Publishers Clearinghouse on it and it's a small check and then they tell you you have to wire them money to receive your big check. Both are obviously bogus. Publishers Clearinghouse hates this. They've just published again that they will never ask anybody to send any fee, taxes, or other monies to collect a prize. Remember that. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. You know, it's pretty clear that uh, when people are preteens or teens, they're only interested in Clark deals, not Clark. Because people that are preteens or teens, whatever money they have, for the most part, they'll spend. There's an occasional preteen or teen who is into the idea of saving money, uh, has a discipline about it. But generally, with kids, school-age kids, money in their pocket burns a hole in it, and the money just vanishes. So that's why I'm particularly fascinated by a new report from the American Institute of CPAs that does an annual survey of allowance and finds that the average kid in the United States now is getting a weekly allowance of 30 bucks. Three zero bucks. Now, this has roughly doubled in three years. Parents have lost their minds. Doubling allowance in three years? So remembering that kids spend all that money that you give them, I will let you decide how much allowance to give. You know, I've talked about my rules about allowance and how important it is with allowance to gradually step it up year by year. One of the simplest methods I've recommended in the past is that, and it's your choice, either by a child's age, give them the amount of money uh, by age. So a six-year-old gets $6 a week, a 12-year-old gets $12 a week, an 18-year-old, if you're still giving it 18, gets 18 a week, or you do it by grade. First grader gets a dollar a week and on like that up through 12th grade to 12 a week. But what I've stressed so much more than the amount is that you use allowance as a teaching moment. And there is a method that has been popular in the evangelical community for decades, and that is what's known as the three-jar system. And that is that when you give a child money, that the money has to be divided up in three jars, one for current spending, one for savings, and one for charity. And whether you want to have your child think about money and that method with three jars or you want to do two jars or whatever, I think allowance should be in cash, even for a teenager, not on any kind of stored value card because you need to create the the thought process of the finiteness of money, which you don't sense on any kind of card. 
And also, with an allowance comes responsibility. And I believe that as a parent, it is your right, since you're giving the money, to set ground rules that, as an example, for every dollar of allowance, 50 cents goes into savings, 50 cents goes into spending. And the savings doesn't have to be for college or for when you finish high school or whatever. It can be for a specific goal that you use that as a teaching moment with your child. You say, what is it that means the most to you that you would like to do with the money in the savings jar? And it might be buying something in particular that you really want. With a younger kid, it might be a Nintendo device or a particular game or something like that. Uh, Older, it might be a new smartphone or something along those lines that you create a sense of purpose for money. Because if you just give a kid money without any guidelines or teaching with it, they learn nothing. And then you feel frustrated. Why is it that my kids never have any money even though I give them X number of dollars a week? That's because they don't learn by osmosis. You got to teach the concept of spend, save, give. Or in if in your household it would just be spend and save, you got to teach that. Robert's with us on the Clark Howard show. Hi Robert. Hey, how you doing? Great, thank you Robert. Uh you got a question for me that is one that's been very much on people's minds just lately. Hit me with it. Well, we're planning on going to overseas. Um, and, you know, it's an expensive trip. It's a honeymoon. And we're talking about uh, travel insurance. And I'm looking at the best options for that. Like, can you use a particular credit card? I called one credit card company, and they said they don't offer it anymore. So, and, of course, I can get it through the travel agency, which is about 6%, which I, I hear is about average. But I was wondering what you thought about the whole thing for traveling, the the whole insurance thing, losing luggage, the plane not taking off, or even just getting hurt overseas. Well, first things first, congratulations on your upcoming honeymoon. Mm -hmm. Um, Second thing is the card that gets the best press for coverage for travel is a card called the Chase Sapphire Preferred. And it's not free. The Chase Sapphire Preferred costs $95 a year. Mm -hmm. And with it, you get an entire suite of protections. But you have to buy your travel on the card to be able to get the protections just baked in. So they have to be. Go ahead. Does it have to be 100% of it? Because, I, of course, I had to put a down payment to the travel agent. Um, so then the remainder is on there. I can put on there. Okay, so I'm looking at the, I just pulled it up just this second. So it says these benefits are available when you use your card. So I don't see if it says 100% 
of the cost of the trip has to be booked on the card or not. You'd have to get into the nitty-gritty okay. of all the details. But, we'll look into that. But the card, what it covers, it covers if your bag goes missing for a while, they pay for you to buy other things. Um, it covers as primary coverage when you rent a car, you don't involve your own auto insurer if you bang up the car. All right. And it comes with the trip cancellation and trip interruption insurance. And all these things um, have specific hoops you have to jump through, read the rules. But I, for a long time, have depended on a credit card for trip cancellation, trip interruption insurance, and for car rental damage rather than buying separate policies or like at the car rental counter buying their outrageously overpriced collision damage waiver. All right. Just one quick more, one thing more. The only one thing I was wondering about is, and of course it's in the details of the card, like an act of God, say for example, the, the plane hit a sinkhole and broke, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's an act of God. They'll say that's an act of God. It's, that's probably in the details on whether they cover that. Yeah, so um, generally acts of war are not covered mm -hmm. by policies. And if you're really worried about great financial exposure, there is a type of trip policy you can buy that covers usually three quarters of the cost of your trip for any reason. If you can't go for any reason, whatever, that these policies... Are much uh, tend to be more expensive but are more comprehensive and give you much more power in the event something adverse happens involving your trip. All right. So my goal is for you to have a fantastic honeymoon and everything is great. Well, I guarantee you we will. All right. <laughs> so Tell them. That's the, well. <laughs> that's the most important thing is that you have a great life together. Jill is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jill. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Jill. You have a question for me that I have struggled for 15 years to explain in simple English. What is it? <laughs> well, uh, my husband and I would ideally like to retire early, maybe around 60 before Medicare kicks in, I think it's 65. So we're trying to figure out how to fill in the gaps and be able to pay for our health care insurance in that, in that period. So I've heard you talk a lot about health savings account and using them as an investment. But as we're, I'm just now to the point where we can maybe start to do that because we've hit the threshold of what we have as our balance. But a couple questions came up in terms of, um, you know, is, is there an amount that you should put in there that is risky if you if you die? Or I know it's extremely unlikely, but should Medicare for all come into come into play here in the coming years? Is there any risk in putting money in there? No, I think putting. Uh, OK, let's take um, let's say we go to some kind of socialized health care. Let's just say we do. Uh -huh. And there's Medicare for all or whatever. There's still going to be out of pockets. Uh, somebody on Medicare, when, you know, it, just becoming a Medicare recipient, there's out of pocket. Right. And okay. so HSAs pay for out of pocket tax free. They're so cool because you put money in and you get a current tax deduction. 
then they grow over the years tax-free, and then you spend them tax-free on eligible medical expenses. And the situation you just described where you put money in now to use uh, far down the road if you're HSA eligible is fantastic. People who can afford to do that and pay current medical expenses out of pocket get by far the greatest benefit from putting money in a health savings account. Okay, that, that sounds great. Can you use that to pay premiums, say if we had to get a, a, an insurance policy to cover those gap years? So there, I've got a list on a guide at Clark.com that walks you through all the eligible expenses you can use your HSA for. And the main purpose of an HSA is to use for medical services. But I also have a full list of every possible thing that under today's law, you're able to use your HSA for. So if you go to Clark.com and you click um, and you put in the search box HSA, skip past the ads that will come up in results, and then Mm -hmm. read my guide to HSAs. And it's got the amounts you can put into an HSA this year. Those amounts may change every year. And then we have a link to the much more comprehensive but much harder to understand federal guide that the IRS has put together on everything you can use your HSA for. And medical expenses can include the premiums you pay for insurance, but that's not the real purpose of them. So you can read all that. Uh, You can read the short version, or we have the link right to the long version. But do I love HSAs? Not a little bit, a lot. (laughs) And one, one more quick question. In the event that both my husband and I would pass away and we had a balance, can that be... I guess, then passed to, to children, or what happens to that? I got to tell you something funny. In all the years that I've answered questions about HSAs, no one has ever asked me <laughs> what happens at the time that you die. And I'm fascinated. I, I, I am looking at the IRS guide. And there's nothing here, there's no clickable thing that I can find that says what happens with your HSA money when you pass away. So I'm going to have to get the answer to that, and we'll call you back and let you know that answer. Okay, that would be great. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. I correct myself. Producer Joel has found the answer for you. So... You can pass your HSA to your spouse when you die, and then he or she can use it for qualified medical expenses. But for a non-spouse survivor, the account loses its HSA value status, and then the account is taxable to the beneficiary. Okay, so so that would be a child. Sorry? That could be a child, then Right, but, it they, but like, okay. then it's not a tax-free event for them. It's a taxable event for them because okay. you've had the use of the money tax-free through the years. That's what they then don't have. Okay. 
Oh, well, I learned great. something new every day. Thank you for asking the question. Joel, thank <laughs> you for getting the answer for us so quickly. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Hey, specifically, if you would like me to answer your question directly to you, there's a box you can click at Clark.com slash ask. But otherwise, producer Joel asks your question for you. Joel, who's it from? Clark, we got one from Ryan. He says, I'm in the ma- uh, market for a new mattress. My back has been acting up, and I've had the same mattress for over 15 years. No so, wonder your back is acting up. <laughs> he says, yeah, I'm tight like you, Clark. Can you give me a recommendation on the best mattress for the value? And also, do you need to get a new box spring, or are those good for forever? So with the new mattresses, which are the mattresses that come in a box and expand, which are taking over the marketplace, generally you don't have to have a box spring for those. They can sit on a wood frame. They can sit on a metal frame. Uh, These are very inexpensive devices, and it's likely to your advantage to start over instead of using a 15-year-old box spring. The important thing for you is there are a lot of Best Buy mattresses rated by Consumer Reports that are very affordable. The wonderful thing about the new bed-in-a-box market is that these mattresses are guaranteed, where generally from companies you have from three months to uh, longer than that, depending on the mattress provider, to return for a full refund. And most of these companies will come and pick them up from you You don't have to do anything about delivering to them. And according to Consumer Reports, there are great mattresses available in the hundreds of dollars, not thousands. Pay for one-time access to Consumer Reports' website or go to the library and read their latest ratings. We've been sleeping on these compressed mattresses now for years that open up like popcorn popping and... I sleep so much better and wake up with no soreness in the morning at all now. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.